0: Matthew chapter 22, this is the word of God. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw that there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called... But few are chosen. Amen. We thank God for His word to us this evening. Good
1: evening, everyone. It's a great pleasure for me and my wife Rosie and son Peter to be with you here in Rich Hill this evening. It's my only second time in the church building and first time to preach. I've never met you before, so maybe a few words of introduction might help to establish a little bit of rapport. I'm I'm a Banbridge man, born and brought up in Banbridge. I studied at Queen's and Union College and then I did my assistantship in First Bangor and then went to Enniskillen in 1987 and stayed my whole ministry in Enniskillen and retired on the 31st of January this year and we are now living in Mays uh, between Lisburn and uh, Moira. We live uh, right across the road from (coughs) Mays Presbyterian Church so it takes us all of one minute to get from our front door to the front door of the church and we are thoroughly enjoying learning to be members of a local church and we've received a very warm welcome but I haven't hung my preaching boots up just yet. And so on Sunday evenings in particular and midweeks, I'm still uh, preaching and enjoying it. Well, what else do you talk about at harvest except food? And Let me begin with a true story about food. This story appeared in the Boston Globe in June, 1990, about a most unusual wedding banquet. Accompanied by her fiance, a woman went to the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston and ordered the meal. The two of them poured over the menu, made selections of china and silver, and pointed to pictures of the flower arrangements they liked. They both had expensive taste. And the bill came to $13,000. Now, if that was June 1990, that that, that was going to be uh, some meal. After leaving a cheque for half the amount as a down payment, the couple went home to flip through books of wedding announcements. The day the announcements were supposed to hit the mailbox, the potential groom got cold feet. I'm just not sure, he said. It's a big commitment. Let's think about this a little longer. So, when his angry fiance returned to the Hyatt to cancel the banquet, the events manager couldn't have been more understanding. She said, The same thing happened to me, honey, and told the story of her broken engagement. But about the refund, she had bad news. The contract is binding. You're only entitled to $1,300 back. So, you have two options. forfeit the rest of the down payment or go ahead with the banquet I'm really sorry. Well it seemed crazy but the more the jilted bride thought about it the more she liked the idea of going ahead with the party. Not a wedding banquet but a big blowout. Ten years earlier this same woman had been living in a homeless shelter She'd got back on her feet, found a good job and set aside a sizable nest egg. And now she had the wild idea of using her savings to treat the down and outs of Boston to a night on the town. And so it was that in June of 1990, the Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston hosted a party such as it had never seen before. The hostess changed the menu to boneless chicken in honor of the groom, <laughs> she said, and sent invitations to rescue missions and homeless shelters. And that warm summer night, people who were used to peeling half gnawed pizza off the cardboard dined instead on chicken cordon bleu. Hyatt waiters in tuxedos served hors d'oeuvre to senior citizens propped up by crutches and aluminium walkers. Bag ladies, vagrants and addicts took one night off from the hard life on the sidewalks outside and instead sipped champagne, ate chocolate wedding cake, and danced to big band melodies late into the night. Well, what a story. And it's not unlike Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14. Did any of the homeless say no to that invitation? I wouldn't think so because that was the greatest invitation that they were ever likely to receive. And I am here tonight on behalf of a king to offer an even greater invitation to every single one of us. And I'm going to do everything in my power But trusting in the Holy Spirit to encourage you to accept that invitation and to choose not to come to this king's great feast would indeed be the mistake of your life. So I'm going to give you reasons why you ought to come to this great feast that we read about in Matthew 22. And the first reason is, come because you are hungry. Now, I wonder if I were to talk to each of you privately and personally this evening, would you be able to put into words what you're hungry for in life at the deepest level? not maybe just hungry for the apple crumble that we're all going to have in a few minutes time, hungry at the deeper level. As I look down on on this great company of people, I think apart from Jeff and my family, there's not a single face that I recognize, so I don't know anybody here. But there's bound to be somebody here tonight And you're hungry for forgiveness. There's something in your past, or maybe your past life as a whole, and you just want to know that you've been forgiven. Maybe there's someone who wants to find a way to let go of the sorrow and hurt of the past. Maybe there's something's happened in recent years, and you've got big questions but you haven't got answers yet. And you're looking for answers to life's deepest questions. Maybe there's somebody here tonight and you've had news about your health that's not great. And you're for the first time asking real questions about life after death, hope beyond the grave. Or maybe you just know that there's an emptiness inside And you want to know the love and the presence of God in your own life. It's wonderful to see so many young people here this evening. And maybe there's some young person here tonight. And you've been faced with lots of questions through your teenage years. And you're moving into adulthood. And you, you know you need the wisdom of God to navigate the complexities of life in the modern world. And you're hungry for that knowledge. Well, it's my privilege tonight to invite you to receive the satisfaction for that hunger. Because I don't know individually what words you might place on it, but this I do know that you're all hungry for life, just as I am. I know that about All of you. Come because the invitation is from a rich and generous king. This person was a king, the highest person in the land. And what an honor it was to be invited to the wedding banquet of his son. As a king, he was rich, but he was also generous. As we read about the oxen that were slaughtered, the meal that was prepared. It was going to be the wedding to end all weddings. What a a feast it was going to be. Now, in recent years, we've had lots of royal weddings, and we watched them on, on the telly. I doubt if any of you were personally there. Who knows, maybe you were. But if you got an invite, it's unlikely you would have turned it down but I'm here tonight to invite you not to a royal wedding, but to the royal wedding. The royal wedding that is the great story of human history about the one who came from heaven to find his bride and woo her with his love and be united to her for all eternity. God wants you to share in his infinite joy for all eternity and feast at his banqueting table at the wedding of his son and i know we're mixing metaphors but to do that and at the same time to be part of his bride the church and he says everything is ready so come so come because the invitation is from a rich and generous king thirdly come because of how wonderful the banquet will be. This would have been the social occasion in this town or village that would have been talked about for years. An absolute one-off. No feast would ever compare. And the surprise, of course, in the story, which Jesus was wanting to communicate to his hearers, is that anybody would refuse come, You see, hospitality in the Middle East is a sacred duty. And it wasn't only a duty to offer it, but it was a grave offence to refuse it. So Jesus' listeners would have been saying, this is astonishing. This is disgraceful that anyone invited to this feast has chosen not to come. But as we all know, people choose not to come to the king's great feast. But we need to ask the question, why? And I am convinced that one of the reasons why people at the human level do not come to feast at the table of the Lord is that they do not understand or perhaps it has not been presented to them as something wonderful. So let me put it to you like this. Salvation is not just deliverance from evil and its consequences. salvation is total satisfaction of every human longing and desire that God has placed in you by creating you in his image. And so in the the Bible, the kingdom of God is often pictured as a feast. Jesus illustrated this as he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, as he called himself the bread of life. He said, I've come that they might have life and have it in all its fullness. Jeff will know from his years in Enniskillen that I tend to quote C.S. Lewis quite a lot. And so I'm not going to disappoint you, Jeff. I'll quote him tonight. I forgot to bring the book, but I've quoted it so often, I know it off by heart. C.S. Lewis has a wonderful quote in one of his sermons where he says, Our Lord, he says, finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are foolish creatures playing around with food, And drink. He says we're like children who are content to go on making mud pies in the slum because we've never imagined what it would be like to have a holiday at the seaside. My friends that I believe is why many people at the human level don't come to the king's great feast and you know, there's a tremendous challenge there for the church. Does the corporate life of the church look like a banquet? Because that's what it is. That's what it is. We're already feasting at this table. Now, we're only getting the first course. We're only getting the starters. The main course and the dessert is yet to come. But we're already sitting at the table. And in this hungry world, it doesn't matter about the affluence all around, it's still a hungry world, a desperate world. People need to look at God's people and see people who are seated at a banquet and who are enjoying the feast. Then come because the offer is open to all when Jesus told this story it had a particular meaning he was basically saying to his listeners that they the Jewish people of his day had rejected him Uh, they had refused the offer and it was going to be removed from them and given to the Gentiles that was a very explosive provocative uh, message That was the primary meaning of the story. The privileged nation said no, but the despised people of the rest of the world were going to be invited. And that was the people in the highways and byways in verses 9 and 10 who didn't deserve to be at the feast, but were welcome. And that's you and me. We're all Gentiles, Cyril. I assume most of us are Gentiles anyway. We're in this story. We are the, the poor in the highways and the byways who were, to whom the servants were sent to invite us to the feast when the people originally invited refused to come. So the offer is open to all. And again, I do wonder, as a pastor with a lifetime of experience, the barriers that come up in people's minds when they hear the invitation and one of them is I'm not worthy to come or the offer is for somebody else but it's not for me but I want to underline at this point that we are all invited come because the offer is open to all come because privilege is not enough The, the first group of people had the privilege of getting the invitation but they rejected it as the Jews did with Jesus. And again, we all know, I'm sure you've heard it many times, the the warning and the encouragement that the place of spiritual privilege, that is the place of being in the church and receiving teaching and encouragement and prayer in and of itself is not enough to bring you into the kingdom unless there is A personal response on your part I'm sure you all all know that very well but let me just underline it again this evening it's not a hearing that gets you to the feast but it's choosing to come there is a, a more solemn note sounded also in this story as you will have noticed near the end come or you will regret it forever the, when Jesus talked in the story about the king sending people to destroy the towns and villages of those who refused, he was predicting the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, which which took place. And then the little cameo seems to come out of nowhere about the man without uh, proper wedding clothes is a, a little bit put in to, to show that when they came, when the poor and the down and outs came they were only allowed in when they received the robes given to them by the king but here was someone who wanted to come in on his own terms but the parable is saying and Jesus is telling us that we only get in on God's terms and again is it not incredibly common and widespread in our day and generation it's so individualistic that everyone feels that the path that they choose themselves is adequate. They find God their own way, but it's not what Jesus says. We come and gain entrance to heaven and to the feast, God's way, which is faith and trust in Christ and the life of of discipleship moving towards a close don't let pride prevent you coming the first group were invited but they dismissed the invitation as of little worth or value and considered their their own business affairs or whatever they were preoccupied with as of greater importance and again that is the situation is it not increasingly in our own society, that the invitation that goes out to our society to come to the King's Great Feast is disregarded because people are taken up with their own search for happiness. Or it may be that their pride is offended at the thought that they need God or that what the Christian gospel offers is better than what they can find. For themselves so I'm near a close and we've talked about some of the barriers but I may not have mentioned the barrier for you so I want to ask you at this point if I'm sure there are very very many who have accepted the king's great offer but if there is someone this evening who hasn't I wonder what the barrier is in your particular case. Is it one I have mentioned or is it something else? Can I say that uh, although we're heading back to Mays of course if you wanted to have a quiet word with me afterwards to chat about anything that I've said this evening I would of course be more than, than pleased to do that. So let me finish with these words come just as you are the second group were not told to to get on their own good clothes they were not told to spruce themselves up in fact the king said bring them whether they're good or bad the king wanted his hall filled with guests to celebrate his son's wedding and God invites us because of our need, not whether we're good or bad. The second Sunday that I was attending May's Presbyterian, the Presbyterian chaplain from Mugabry sent out and was there and appealed for help with music for the services in the prison on a Sunday morning. And I can play a few hymns on, on the piano, so I volunteered for the rota. So I now from time to time, go to Megabri Prison. It's only 10 miles, uh, 10 minutes from, from my home, and play uh, for the hymns for the service. And it has brought home to me that the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, has seeking to save that which was lost, that we're not called because we're good. He said, "I came not to call the righteous." Sinners to repentance. I was at a, a meeting on Friday night. Um, I'll not tell you the circumstances of it, but it was a meeting, and there was a minister there, and he brought a man over to meet me as the meeting was over. He introduced me to the man, gave me his name. He said, "Here's my best elder in such and such a congregation." I chatted to that man. He served four years in prison for in getting involved in a fight many, many years ago, but God reached him and saved him and redeemed him. And he's a child of God now and serving in the leadership of the church. So this is not like Buckingham Palace where we've got to get ourselves presentable. The point is that we must actually give up every effort to make ourselves presentable and come just the way we are. And Jesus will give us the wedding robes. And we'll be allowed in by grace. I come today, that's my last point. The parable does indicate that patience ran out for the first group. And there was also an urgency about the second group for all was ready. And the day of grace will run out for this world. And for us personally, as the clock of our life ticks slowly by so as I invite you all sincerely to the wedding feast of the king assure you that all are invited try to remove some of the barriers that may be there in your mind or heart why you have not come tell you that you should come just as you are I want to say that you should come now Come now, in the words of an old hymn, all the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. You go to the doctor when you're not feeling well. And that's why you come to Dr. Jesus. You come just as you are. So the sensational offer goes out again this evening to all of us accompanied by the solemn warnings. And may tonight be a night when we either make or reaffirm our simple response. Sign the acceptance card, the RSVP card. Send it in the post to heaven. And then be assured not only of a place at the table of the king here in this world, but then go on to that main course and dessert that will continue forevermore when the new creation comes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you you made us for yourself. And there's a hunger and a thirst in all of us that can only be met and satisfied and quenched when we come into that relationship with you through Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord and the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. And then we begin to feast at the table, to enjoy God forever. I pray Lord that you will take these words inadequate though they are and by the power of the Holy Spirit write them on all our hearts so that wherever we are with you tonight we may once again say to you yes Lord I come I want to eat and drink and feast at your table both now and forevermore. And thank you. Now when we say that in simple faith. That we are received. We're not cast out. Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. We are received and welcomed and then held secure in that place forevermore. And our name is set at the table of the king. And may that be the inheritance and the future for everyone here this evening. By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen.